Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. It's 9.56 p.m. as I've started recording here. The Calgary Flames and Dallas Stars game is in the early stages, a couple minutes in. The Capitals and Florida Panthers are engaged in a very serious back-and-forth game. But you know why you're listening to this show. You want to hear me talk about the Rangers' gutsy intense season saving 5-3 win against a Pittsburgh Penguins team that had the Rangers in hell for the first 35 minutes of the game but 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 before we get to that we got to take care of a few things number 1 number 1 okay that's that's thing number 1 we got we got to get on that number 2 if you are not already subscribed to the Upper Bowl GM podcast wherever you like to get your podcast. What are you doing, man? Subscribe to the show. Come part of the community. We have a good time. I, I tweet a lot on my personal account, not as much from the show's account, but I'm very active. There's a lot of stuff going on all hours of the day about every sport under the sun. It's a good time. I've cu- I have cultivated a very interesting community of followers for the show and Join the conversation, man. I like hearing what people got to say in their replies, but I'm not here to argue. I am not here to argue. Number two, if you are subscribed to the show already and you are using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I got to ask you for a favor, man. I need you to I need you to leave a review to the show once you've already subscribed. So on Apple Podcasts, Once you've hit that subscribe button in the top right corner of the show's page, you're going to scroll past our most recent five, maybe six episodes it is. It depends on how big your phone screen is, how many episodes you got to scroll past. Then underneath that, there's going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. And if you're super nice, super nice, there's a button under that with purple letters that says, write a review. If you could be so kind as to leave a few words, that would just be great, man. Reviews really help the show out. The more people that subscribe, the more people that leave reviews, it's easier for other people to find the show, grows the community, makes things a lot more interesting because our range of possibilities opens up more. Now, that we've taken care of the business... I'm going to play the little drop my friend Carl Felter made for me last two summers ago now when I started putting this show together. I'll see you guys on the other side of it. And God forgive me, I might be back on my bullshit. Okay. Okay. If you're still with me, if that game didn't kill you, let's have a nice little chat about the Rangers' Game 5 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Rangers win 5-3, to three, and I did not have a good feeling going into the game on Wednesday night. I will just be honest with you. I really didn't. I was nervous. I was uncomfortable. Pittsburgh had been dictating the style of the game, the pace of the game, every single aspect of the game 
for basically all four of the previous games, even the one game the Rangers won, Pittsburgh was firmly in control of that game for a solid, I would say, 45 of the 60 minutes of game time. So where I would start, Pittsburgh scores that first goal with the Zbigniew line, Truba, and Miller out there, and it goes one nothing. The Crosby line scores, it's one nothing. I felt in that first period the Rangers were very tight. They were very jumpy. They weren't confident in the decisions they were making. They were forcing the puck instead of sending the puck where they wanted to go. They were trying to avoid mistakes. And I talked about this on yesterday's show in regards to the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you're trying to not make a mistake, that's when you're going to make one because you're overthinking. Whenever you're trying to be perfect, that's when you run into a problem. It's a very cliche saying in every aspect of life, but perfect is the enemy of good. And for that first period, the Rangers were trying to be perfect. They were trying to feather long passes out from underneath their own goal line. They were trying to force passes and shots from low-danger areas. Ray Ferraro talked about this a lot on the ESPN broadcast of the game. If you were watching that, you know what I'm talking about. That the Rangers really didn't have a scoring chance in that first period. That was really worth anything. That was dangerous. That made Louis Domingue work for it. And it's frustrating when you're playing like that because and we're going to get to this in a second, you know the Rangers are capable of playing good hockey. You saw it during the course of the last 15 games of the regular season. You've seen it for, I would say, two 15-minute stretches in this series against Pittsburgh. But other than that, Pittsburgh's been firmly in control. And it's transition stuff, it's effort, it's compete level. And I know that's one of the things I always bemoan during the playoffs, especially in terms of hockey commentary, is compete level, intangibles, grit. You can see who is going balls to the walls trying to win every single loose puck. You can see who is anticipating where the play is going in a way that... The guys who are fighting for every inch of that ice... You can tell they're trying to make a difference. In that first period, I thought even the kid line, which was the Rangers' best line, again, wasn't really getting anything to the net. And Pittsburgh really had the neutral zone locked down. The Rangers were not able to get to offense quickly out of their own zone. They weren't able to gain the offensive zone with speed. They couldn't generate odd man rushes. They couldn't create zone um What's the word I'm looking for? Rush chances, excuse me. They couldn't create rush chances because Pittsburgh was clogging the neutral zone so effectively. So the Rangers would dump the puck. They would get into a puck battle below the Pittsburgh goal line. They would lose the puck battle. Pittsburgh would break out, and they would go the other way. And for the first 35 minutes of the game, the Rangers looked awful. Ray Ferraro... When the Rangers scored the second goal and tied the game at two, Ray Ferraro, who was doing the game between the benches, said the exact same thing I tweeted. I tweeted, where was this for 36 minutes? 
It took 36 minutes for the Rangers to wake up and really start playing aggressively to start pushing Pittsburgh, not just sitting back, not just trying to absorb pressure. The Rangers were actively forechecking. They were pressuring the Pittsburgh defensemen in their own zone, making them make decisions before they were ready to do it, and that made a world of difference. Now, when we talk about the goals in this game, the Fox goal that happens, the first one, the one that makes it 2-1, to one, that shot from the point only happens because the Rangers are successfully working a forecheck. They're able to get the puck low to high. Fox has a really good shot, and when he's unimpeded and he can get a clear lane, he was able to rip one 2-1. to one. Okay, you're in the mix at 2-1. to one. You are in the mix at 2-1, to one, and then the game starts to swing. Then you have the Kako to Lafreniere goal. That goal just... Everybody's back in the mix then. Once you're at 2-2 two to two and everyone's losing their minds, that's when things start to swing. And we're 11-12 minutes into this episode, and now we need to talk about a few things. Number one, this game swings when Sidney Crosby gets injured and leaves the game. Just flat out, the game, everything about this game changes when the best player in the series is no longer on the ice for the Penguins. And this is going to be the hit for 48 hours until the next Rangers-Penguins game. This is going to dominate the hockey media conversation tomorrow on Thursday on the Rangers-Penguins off day. Because Sidney Crosby is probably the most famous Canadian in the world. He is one of the 10 best players in the sport. He's been the best player in the playoffs so far. And he gets hit in a questionable way is the way I will phrase it at full speed. It kind of just looked like him, uh, true Jacob Truba and Sidney Crosby bumped into each other. It didn't look terrible because I wasn't looking at it at full speed. Then when I saw the frame by frame on Twitter and I pulled it up on my computer and I was using the back and forward arrows and going frame by frame, like it was the Zapruder film. That's when I kind of understood why some penguins fans were upset. And I will say this with my full convictions, my full confidence. Jacob Truba is not entitled to the benefit of the doubt when it comes to clean, dirty hits. Jacob Truba may be a very nice guy. The Rangers may vouch for him as a leader, as a person. He's thrown some ugly hits in his time as a Ranger. The hits on Nathan McKinnon, on Jujar Kurihara of the Blackhawks come to mind. And this was a questionable hit. Crosby is leaning forward. He is not looking at the direction Truba's coming from because Crosby's looking at the puck. And Truba turns in to hit him. He extends his arm. He makes that chicken wing position to extend his shoulder. And my, my view of the hit going frame by frame is that Truba was looking to hit Crosby shoulder to chest. Sid was leaning forward. And Truba extended his arm. And he got more front of the elbow, not point of the elbow, than shoulder. And it hit Crosby a little more flush in the face than the chest because he was leaning forward. Now, at full speed, I didn't think it was bad. Watching it frame by frame, I understand why people are upset. And understanding it within the context of the game... It's It swung the entire game from a momentum perspective because prior to Crosby going out, the Crosby line was the best line in the damn series for either team. They were dominant. In game four, the Crosby line had 90% of the expected goals. 
Sid, I think, has eight points in this series through five games now. He's been nothing short of remarkable. And that doesn't even go to say to the leadership aspect of Sid as a player. And I don't want to talk about this too much because talking about some a visual thing, like a, a, a questionable hit, doesn't translate well to a podcast. And it's not the easiest thing because a lot of people's Implicit biases are going to view, make them view the hit through a particular lens. I will say this. I understand why a Penguins fan would be upset by that. I understand why a Ranger fan will say that's a hockey play. There's nuance to this. The game happens so fast. Sid is leaning forward. Truba's trying to make a play. They're both moving trying to make a play. Truba's not totally trying to kill him but Sid is leaning forward he's not looking where the hit is coming from and he doesn't have an opportunity to protect himself and it's unfortunate that's the main thing I want to touch on here any rational person can understand and say I don't want to see anybody get hurt I don't want to see Sidney Crosby get hurt I especially don't want to see Sidney Crosby suffer a head injury I know for a lot of Ranger fans, for a lot of hockey fans in general, Sidney Crosby is the boogeyman. He's annoying. He gets his way. He's won three Stanley Cups. He's the poster boy for Hockey Canada. He's the golden boy of the NHL because he's the most vanilla individual maybe to ever exist. He's a person. He's had some serious, serious concussion issues. For anybody who's younger, who doesn't remember Sid missing basically an entire season and a half of his prime because of concussions, it's really, really scary when somebody like with that kind of concussion injury suffers another one. It's the same thing anytime Andre Cache of the Maple Leafs gets another concussion where I wince and I worry about the rest of his life. I worry about his health. I worry about what this does to people over time. This game is brutal. You never want to see anybody get hurt. And you don't want to see somebody like Sid, who is who he is, not able to play because of something out of his control. It's. I don't want to say it's a dirty hit because it happens so fast, but... I understand it's a questionable hit. It's in the gray area, and whatever you're bringing to watching that hit is going to influence what you decide. Because if you're an older person, that's just a hockey play. That's two guys hitting. That's like cars bumping in NASCAR or a racing incident in Formula One. Yeah, it sucks that it happened, but that's just part of the game. And if you're a little bit on the younger side, you're more of a protect-the-players-at-all-cost situation who I typically fall into the camp of. You're going to say, that's an unnecessary hit. The puck is already kind of out of Trouba's reach there. And in hitting Crosby, all he's trying to do is knock Crosby down and potentially injure him. And I understand that viewpoint. That's the prob- That's the, the conundrum hockey and football face is the game happens so fast. It is hard for guys to not do shit like that because the game happens so fast. And the last point I want to make on this... We've seen the Rangers do this at points this year, especially in the regular season games against the Pittsburgh, is trying to play Johnny Tough Guy, trying to throw extra hits when it's not necessary, trying to start the after-the-whistle stuff. 
throwing those hits in the neutral zone, stepping up when somebody's trying to skate through the zone with speed, all of that stuff. We've seen the Rangers do that at times this year, and I'll be honest with you. I said this last year when the Rangers traded for Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goodrow and they signed Patrick Nemeth. I don't want the Rangers to be a dirty hockey team. We spent all of that last two weeks of the regular season, the playoffs and the summer, talking about how Tom Wilson is a bad guy, Tom Wilson tries to injure people. Ranger fans spent all this time doing that. And then you've got guys like Truba who have thrown several hits that have injured people during the course of the season. And you just don't get to have it both ways. I I think it's really important that we uphold some intellectual honesty here because if we're going to bemoan the way Tom Wilson plays hockey because he injures people, we don't get to pretend the Rangers are totally innocent either. And if you want to say, well, that's part of the game, fine, but then you don't get to complain about the way Tom Wilson plays because Jacob Trouba's injured people this season. He injured Jujer Karhara. They He injured Nathan McKinnon. He very clearly injured Sidney Crosby. If you want to complain about the way Tom Wilson plays, you don't get to complain about the way Jacob Trouba plays. And, yes, Trouba, a lot of the plays that have injured people have happened during the course of play, between the whistles And it's not the Tom Wilson type of after-the-whistle things, throwing people, trying to elbow people in the head into the boards. But throwing an elbow at somebody's head is dangerous at a standing still speed. It's dangerous at full hockey speed. So let's be honest. Let's have some integrity. And let's be reasonable here. Understand why Penguins fans are mad. Understand why... Some Ranger fans might not view it the same way. And that's part of this. It all happens so fast. Okay, I spent a lot more time talking about that play than I wanted to. But at the same time, it's vital that we talk about it because that was the play that swung the game. After that, the Rangers were actually able to play real hockey. They were not treating the puck like a hot potato. The, I think it was three minutes into the third period... The first time all game, the Rangers went D to D, forward, zone entry, pass across the seam, shot from, I think it was the slot, it might have been the other circle, I didn't write down, I just had good scoring chance in my notes. That was the first time all game the Rangers were able to generate a clean zone entry with speed. And it didn't happen until the third period, With two minutes into the third period. The Penguins were in firm control of that game until Sid got hurt. And then when Sid got hurt, the Penguins had to juggle their lines. They moved Malkin up there. They moved Bluger up. Teddy Bluger's been outstanding in this series, but Teddy Bluger doesn't have the offensive refinement to his game. You would want of somebody in the top six, so that's a problem for Pittsburgh. And let's not remiss. Let's not bullshit. Pittsburgh's dinged up. To a degree, the Rangers did not. Pittsburgh, without Brian Dumoulin, without Ricard Raquel, without Tristan Yari, without Casey DeSmith, without Sidney Crosby, the Rangers had Ryan Lindgren tonight. Lindgren had, I would say, a decent game for somebody who hadn't played in a week. He was pretty good. He wasn't outstanding, but he was good tonight. Nemeth, uh... I know the Rangers won, so I'm, I don't want to bitch about the Rangers dressing Patrick Nemeth to not skate him at any point in the game. But just logistically, 
what are we doing here, guys? Come on now. And it's one of those games. This is the ga- type of game that can only happen in the playoffs. And the momentum swings, very real. Again, this is another point that Ray Ferraro made during the broadcast. I wish there was a way to chart, track, understand how momentum swings during the course of the game. I wish there was a way we could understand how all of these guys are feeling on both teams during the course of a game. I mean, I would say the easy... Okay, so this is me just, like, spitballing hypotheticals here, like, just purely talking to see if this makes sense. If if you have an idea, by all means, I'd love to hear it. I need to see the heart rate monitors for all skaters on the ice at any point during a game because my assumption would be that when a team is playing with confidence and they're playing really well, that their heart rate's going to be lower because they're not as stressed out as a team that's playing poorly and is trying to do better. That would be my assumption. I would love to... I know the teams would never make that available, and that's like private health information, so the HIPAA people who spent all of 2021 talking about vaccine cards would be very upset about this, but purely from a just statistical understanding standpoint of trying to quantify momentum, I want to know, man, because I want to know what the conversation was like on the Ranger bench when they realized Sid went to the room. I want to know what the conversation was on the Pittsburgh bench when the Penguins realized Sid went to the room. I need to understand that type of momentum swing because it's hard to understand that if you're not, uh, like I said, if you're not able to talk to all 18 skaters on both teams and both goalies, you're not going to be able to understand what that momentum swing means. And that's what makes sports so interesting is that there is no way to understand the way people react to these type of external stressors. The sport is chaotic. It is frantic. It is not as, I would say, accessible, available as some of the other sports where players are more inclined to make themselves emotionally vulnerable. I just want to know purely from... Uh, a nerd standpoint, to be honest with you. I want to understand how momentum works in these guys' heads individually, as a team, what the coaches are thinking. There are just so many layers to this game that I feel like we haven't touched on yet, and I've already been talking about it for 25 minutes. Next, we have to talk about the kid line. Filipino, Alexi Lafreniere, Capococco. I know, I know, I know. There's simply no other way to describe it. With the veterans, like Chris Kreider, like Mika Zabinijad, like Artemi Panarin, like Andrew Kopp, like Ryan Strom, like Jacob Truba, who should know better, who should understand what this type of hockey that's required to be successful in the postseason is like, it is the 22-year-old, the 21-year-old, and the 20-year-old. It is Kako, Hedl, and Lafreniere who is the only line that is consistently sending pucks below the Pittsburgh goal line, winning puck laddles below that goal line, and then getting the puck out in front for real scoring chances. All three of them over 70% expected goals for Game 5. Only got 12 and a half ish minutes of ice time. I want 
I want to give Gerard Gallant the benefit of the doubt. I want the Rangers to be good. Uh, nobody who is complaining about the usage of players or the lineup wants the team to be bad. We want the Rangers to be good. The Rangers' best line is getting the least amount of minutes right now, other than the fourth line, who got even less than that. And to be honest with you, that fourth line should be getting eight minutes a night. I Just... Unless it's the kill, Rooney really shouldn't be getting a lot of shifts at 5-on-5, five five, and Ryan Reeves is there for morale. I don't think Ryan Reeves touched the puck more than twice tonight. I think he kept two cycles moving in the offensive zone. Other than that, he didn't touch the puck. Not really an impactful performance. The kid line was tremendous, again, and the Rangers need to ride that, period. They need that line to keep churning along, and maybe the guys who have been here or have been to the playoffs before on other teams, we'll get a clue. I know that the Zabinijad line has been out there against the Crosby line most of this series. I understand that Sidney Crosby has been the best player in the entire playoffs, not just this series, the entire playoffs during this series. He's won every loose puck. He's generating zone entries with speed. He's setting up his line mates to score goals. I understand that Sidney Crosby has been terrific in these playoffs. Mika Zavinijad, they're paying you like you're one of the 10, 15 best players at your position in the sport. You got to be able to be given more than what you've given. Chris Kreider, you just scored 52 goals in the regular season. I understand there's not as much space around the net mouth for deflections. Okay, you got to be better in transition. You got to be helping the defensemen get out of their own zone to go to offense faster so they can actually play. That is what I'm so frustrated about. That is why there's such an air of grievance amongst Ranger fans right now is we know the team can play well against Pittsburgh. We saw it four games in the regular season, and we've seen it for stretches in the playoff series. Why does it take their fucking balls being in a vice for them to start trying? Why does it take the Rangers being down 2 nothing for them to start churning their legs, to forechecking aggressively, to getting the loose pucks? You cannot keep playing like this. It's not a tenable style to constantly be chasing the game. Okay. The last point I want to touch on before I get everyone out of here. I've had enough, enough of the Igor Shosturkin discourse. Has Igor been great in this series? No. Nobody's saying he's been amazing. He hasn't had a chance. The Rangers are playing at 35% expected goals. How would you like a goalie to survive under those conditions? The Penguins are living in Shesterkin's office. He is having to go post to post 20 times a game. The puck goes behind the Rangers' net. It doesn't get to the neutral zone for two minutes. What would you like him to do? Do you want him to break up the Pittsburgh odd man rushes between the circles? Do you want him to go full send and slide tackle and break up the odd man rushes? What would you like him to do? 
I understand hockey is complicated for the average fan. I understand the people on TV do not do a great job of explaining the concepts of the game. Shesterkin has no chance on all of these goals. They're rebounds, they're redirects. He's not seeing them till they're already past him because he's screened. They are tap-ins on the opposite post because a defenseman is floating and not picking up their man. All of these things compound into each other. Yes, it's been a rough series for Shesterkin. He has been fighting it. His rebound control hasn't been great because he's just trying to make the save as opposed to making a controlled save. The defense needs to be better. Now, looking ahead to Friday, the game six, the entire tone is going to be set on whether or not Sidney Crosby plays. If Sid is good to go, the Rangers will feel it. They're going to be in the lion's den in an arena they won one time in during the regular season. In an arena they do not have a great history in. Against one of the five or six best hockey players of all time. Who's going to be a little bit pissed off that he didn't get to help his team close out game five. And the Rangers are not going to be able to just wait for their good players to make plays like they did on Wednesday. That's been my biggest indictment of the Rangers under Gerard Gallant during the course of this season. There hasn't been an organized, coherent, offensive, or defensive system. It's been waiting for the Adam Foxes, the Panarins, the Zabinijads, the Criders to make a play. When their Rangers high-end players are not making plays, the Rangers are not scoring consistently. And it took the three kids who are at most four years removed from being drafted, playing their asses off to prolong this series. Everybody who spent the regular season bitching about Filipino not scoring enough or Kako or Lafreniere not scoring enough, the people who are telling you not to worry about them know what they're talking about. I spent my entire morning watching YouTube highlights, putting together the videos I tweeted out today. I'm not just watching all of the games once. I've watched all of the games in this series at least twice. I'm going to rewatch game five tomorrow during the course of the day. Maybe do something with that. I'll probably end up writing a blog for Gotham Sports Network. That'll go up sometime on Friday once an editor can get to it. Maybe a game six all kitchen sink type manifesto deal. Okay, that will... Just about do it for today's episode. Very glad the Rangers are still alive. As much as I'd like to make fun of them for being stupid. That's still my fucking team, man. That's still my team. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, We're going to get to talk if the Leafs closed it out. Or if the Leafs are going to play another Game 7. Thursday's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'll see you guys then.